This is your host, Natalie Allport, and welcome to the All In Podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest on who is going to answer the burning question that I always get in my DMs, in my comments, emails about, which is, how can I start CrossFit or functional fitness? Do I need to be great to start? Obviously, if you've seen my page, you probably know my answer because you've seen even my 84-year-old grandmother doing CrossFit and functional fitness. But today, we have an expert on Matt Villa Valley, who is a coach and chief fitness officer at NC Fit. He was a former lawyer who then got into fitness, and he's the host of the intro with MDV. He has a great well of knowledge around the sport of CrossFit, functional fitness, and coaching. We answer the question of how you can get into CrossFit or fitness. We address the whole controversy about CrossFit being dangerous. We go over scaling. We go over humbling the ego. We talk about the role of mindset, and especially we dive into his story. So without further ado, let's go all in. All right. Welcome to the All In Podcast, MDV. So great to have you. Welcome. Excited to be here. Thanks, Nat. Yeah. So I would love to start off with, well, as I mentioned before we started recording, that I really want to get into the topic of how people can get into fitness, functional fitness, mm-hmm. CrossFit, because it's a common DM I get, a common comment comment that I get, and just a common problem that we're seeing where people who think you need to be a pro to start getting fit or to start going to the gym or start doing CrossFit or any of the related kind of sports in the fitness world. So before we head into that, I want to dive into your whole background because I know it's super interesting. So can you <laughs> go all the way back to the start? Like as a kid, did you play sports? Were you into fitness? What was that like? Heck yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me again. Uh, MDV called me at the outset. Those are my initials. It's a little funky, but Matt Delavalle. Um, and yeah, I grew up uh, on Long Island and uh, had a very active uh, childhood, played a lot of youth sports growing up, soccer, baseball, all the kind of American classics. And as I got into high school, I kind of earmarked baseball and wrestling as the two sports that I really wanted to continue on with. And I played both of those pretty much through high school and participated in wrestling up until about my junior year. And then the rigors of that sport kind of got to me uh, and I ended up not wrestling my senior year. At the same time that I was going through those, uh, those sports, I was also falling in love with this idea of training and uh, really getting in shape and doing all the conditioning and weightlifting that I needed to do for wrestling. uh, And that became something I was really passionate about. And I started to just get addicted to that. That eventually led me into uh, finding ocean lifeguarding as something that was a next pastime for me or great summer job and something that kept me in shape and kept me moving. And I was an ocean lifeguard for eight summers. And uh, again, just continued to get after it every single day, whether it was on the beach with calisthenics or before work in the weight room or after work in the weight room, obviously a lot of swimming and uh, drilling and all those kinds of things that go into being a, uh, a solid lifeguard on the stand. And um, yeah, then I I found myself at the end of kind of like college and, and getting into the law school journey and all that kind of stuff with just this ton of fitness experience 
of all different varieties, not marrying myself to just one discipline, but really mixing bodyweight exercises with intense cardio, sprinting, long distance running, soft sand work, weightlifting, everything. And uh, I was fortunate at that point in my life also to find CrossFit. And that was around 2006. So that was the short version, but uh, that's kind of my background in fitness. Super cool. I want to go back to like the high school days and playing high school sport. Did you get into the gym? Like what age did you first start going to the gym? Around my freshman year in high school, uh, eighth, eighth grade ish, I guess that's like 13, 14, 15. Um, and I was, um, at that point in my life, I also was a little bit, uh, I guess not, not, not super overweight, but I had baby fat on my body. And, um, a couple of my buddies were teasing me about, you know, the way that I looked and, uh, my nickname was meatball affectionately. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I don't want to paint like a woe is me picture, but you know, it bugged me. And I had a, a bunch of uncles who, were big, strong guys in their youth and, um, you know, all state football players and all state lacrosse players. And a couple of them were bodybuilders and, uh, they really took me under their wing and showed me that, you know, there is a way to get in shape and this is how we do it. And, um, yeah, around, around eighth grade, starting to get into fitness, but really it, it took off for me when I hit the beach for lifeguarding, I, I took that really seriously. I wanted to get in the best shape possible to be an effective lifeguard because it terrified me to not have the strength or the physical capacity or the, the, the actual acumen to go out there and save somebody when you had to. Um, so I got really invested in the process of developing myself physically as much as I could. And, um, that, that continued on for all eight summers. I, I, I worked out every single day that I worked the beach. Super cool. And in like in high school, do you guys have strength coaches when you're being part of like the, the baseball yeah. and, the, and the wrestling team? That's another, that's a great question. You know, this is 2000, like early 2000s, late nineties. So I was, I graduated high school in 2001 and the popularity of strength training wasn't really as high as it is right now. I think that there's much more attention on weightlifting and, uh, different types of functional fitness, bodybuilding, all those things. Everything's very Olympic lifting. Everything's very hot right now. Back in those days, it was kind of just show up to the weight room and grind. And we had some gym coaches and fitness professionals that worked at the school, but they didn't bring in a, a formal strength and conditioning coach until a few years later. So we were kind of writing our own programs as we went. And we had obviously had insight from the coaches who had been there for years and things like that. But there was nobody really in charge of making sure that we were following an exact program or anything like that. And a lot of my training life, I've never really followed an exact program. Um, I was thinking about that the other day. Like I, I, I still kind of compile my workouts based on how I feel, how hard I want to train that day. What did I train the day before the day before that? What are my goals currently? What do I want to look like, feel like perform like, and that's how I come up with my training. I know not everybody's in the same type of boat to have a lot of years of experience to kind of figure those things out. But I can, I mean, I can count on one hand the amount of months that I spent ever in a formal training program. The majority of it has been mostly a creative process. Mm. Well, two things I think that are super cool about that is at least you had like strength training uh, initiation in high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, even I went to, I guess, high school in 
late 2000s, early 2010s kind of thing. And we had no, nothing like oh, nobody, wow. not even the guys, right? Like we had a little tiny weight room, but no one taught us how to use anything. And so no one went there. Like even the guys who, who played sports instead of going to the weight room, they just played kind of pick up basketball at lunch um, when the gym was open, but none of us really learned how to do the weight room. Like it wasn't until I made the junior national snowboard team. My parents are like, you are going to get injured. You, ha we have to hire a strength and conditioning coach. So I didn't like step into the gym until I was 17. But then the other cool thing that you mentioned is like the auto-regulated training, which I think is, is really cool how you've kind of followed that path. Because for example, when I was in the gym at, at 17 with this coach, I just did whatever she told me, but I wasn't like in it mentally, if that makes sense. I was like, okay, you told me I have to do this. It's going to make me better at snowboarding, prevent some injuries. Sure. Whatever. I'll just do whatever you tell me, but I couldn't tell you what exercises we did really back then. I couldn't tell you what weights I lifted back then. Like I know we were back squatting, doing some pull-ups and different things, but I have no recollection of what those like numbers were mm. versus when I got into like taking an investment into it myself and getting off that program. Like she moved away. I had to figure it out. So I took her program. She sent it to me and then I had to learn it. And then mm. I had to like figure out, okay, how do I modify this? How do I progress it? So I think there's a lot of value for people kind of going into that deep end and trying to learn it themselves, because if they've always just been told what to do, all of a sudden, when you get out of that, like for example, college athletes that graduate and then they go to a gym and they still, they actually have no idea what to do. They don't know what to do when they try to join a CrossFit gym or anything like that, because they've just been told what to do and they just go through the motions. Yeah. There's, there's value in it. you know, I think that there's value, especially if, if your goals aren't as, <laughs> particular like right my goal has always been more so to be very generally physically fit and capable but at one point in my life I was trying to go to the CrossFit games and I went to the regionals a few times and did things like that but even during that training I really wasn't super regimented in following a singular path but if you have a specific goal where you say hey I I, I want to PR my back squat or I want to set a world record in X or I and I want to make this kind of team or this type of sport specific skill I need to do this. Then of course I think that there's a lot of value in following a more linear approach maybe that has less variables, maybe that's a little bit has a little bit more oversight and one of my my mentors and who's a fantastic coach and probably the most successful uh, CrossFit games coach in all of history, Ben Bergeron, he had a saying that when we were on the team and they were, we were assigned workouts to do, it was, uh, train like a racehorse and, and think like a bumblebee and train like a racehorse meant, I don't care what's put down on paper for you, put the blinders on and do the work and go hard. If you can go hard and then think like a bumblebee is the bumblebee, uh, based on its biology and based on how it's actually structured, it shouldn't be able to fly. Like the, the body is so much heavier than the wings are able to support, but bees fly. And that was the thing that we, he wanted us to hold on to as we were getting into moments of either trepidation or doubt or anything like that was just continue to think that you can do this and you'll be successful. So there is value to having set training programs um, and following them very meticulously there also is value in being more creative. Mm, yeah, I love that. The duality of both of those and the contrast to them both, because I think it's so true. Like as a competitive athlete, I know that, you know, there's points where it just, 
it's much less stressful to take the programming out of my own head and just say, okay, I want to achieve this in the sport. You tell me what to do. And I'm just going to go in and do it. Cause I have other life stress. I have For to worry sure. about recovering. I have to do all these things. So it is very true. But then I think that sometimes people who want to get into CrossFit or anything else, they see that and they think they have to do that. And then they get sucked into, you know, overthinking it, or they get sucked into some program that's not meant for them because they're like, I need to do whatever those top athletes are doing. Um, and then all of a sudden they don't like it, right. They burn out on the sport. They burn out on the fitness activity, on the gym activity. It's like going to the gym and you're like, okay, from day one of going to the gym, I'm going to do Wendler five, three, one, because I have to, but then you realize that that's not what you like to do. Um, so I think that there's some value when people just want to be fit in their lives or they've been athletes. And now they just want to move on to just staying active or whatever of having some auto-regulation and just going off how you feel. Cause there's other things in your day that are important and you don't know what, what you really like. Maybe the training yeah. you did in college is not what you enjoy doing. And that's going to deter you from going back. Yeah. It is a really interesting dichotomy. And I think it depends on where you're at in your quote unquote fitness life and what your goals are. And, you know, if, if you are a little bit more in the beginner stage of this thing, Enlisting the help of a coach who understands who you are and understands what your goals are is really important because they can be your, your guide, your beacon, your anchor, uh, and, and help you understand the different points of performance and understand the different methodologies that you might be interested in and uh, help guide you through this journey, which can be very confusing. There, there are lots of different ways to get fit out there, and there's a lot of people out there who are selling the quote unquote, best thing. And it can be confusing, right? Uh, and you might jump into something that might not be right for you. So, you know, I think ultimately, as a beginner, doing your own research and kind of getting an understanding of what's out there, what are my goals? Where am I in my fitness life? What are my current commitments? What do I want to do? And then talking to somebody who's in that place or, you know, who is experiencing it, another athlete or a coach or whatever, and getting some firsthand feedback from them on, Hey, is, do you think that this is right for me? I want to try this out. And can you help me? Um, I think that that's a really important kind of series of steps to take and an important question to ask. Yeah, no, love that. I think it's important. Yeah, for sure. To have some guidance, but also take like some investment into it. Don't just blindly go in. And then a year later, when you're not working with that coach, you're like, what did I exercise? Did I even do? Right? Like, I wish I was more invested when I was, was 17. And what I thought was cool is like, I wish I still had the contact of that strength and conditioning coach because her seeing me like compete in the sport of CrossFit, she would probably be mind blown. Cause she was like, Oh, that girl who goofed off in the gym at 17 and like, couldn't tell me what exercise we were doing. is like cool. super into this kind of stuff now. Um, <laughs> I think it would be really interesting, but I, I think there's some value to both, right? Like having that guidance and then also just kind of learning things for what you like as you, as you go along the process and sure. um, auto-regulating to your life. For sure. So when someone wants to start CrossFit or fitness, and the question I often get asked is, do I need to be fit to start this? Do I need to have a certain skills or movement? Do I need to lose weight? Do I need to do anything? Do I need to be a certain age? Can let's, let's tackle this question head on. Oh, it's a big one. Um, and, and it's a really common question. And anybody who's asking that question shouldn't feel bad about asking that question. It's certainly natural to think or feel that way. It can be intimidating, um, especially when you see something 
like CrossFit or functional training, or you put on uh, ESPN, the sport network here in the States, or you look up CrossFit on the internet or functional fitness on the internet, and you see somebody flipping a 600 pound tire, or you see these uh, Adonis looking athletes in the sun in Madison, Wisconsin at the CrossFit games, doing things that no human on the, in, on the face of the earth can do at least in your mind, right? You're thinking that that can't be for me. That would never be for me. That's not for me. The thing with those images and, and what you're seeing there at, at the highest level of competition is that that's the ultimate expression of what this is for professional athletes in the sport of fitness. But functional fitness slash CrossFit really can be for everyone. It might not be for you, but it can be. And that's because a lot of these different methodologies, CrossFit, functional fitness are based around just basic human motor patterns. You're squatting, you're pulling things off of the floor, you're pressing things overhead, you're moving your body through space, you're running, you're rowing, you're biking, you're doing things like that in a way that produces a, a workout stimulus that ultimately over time, you continue to step it up just a little bit relative to where you're at and what your goals are. But if you think about your everyday life and the reason it's called functional fitness is it's supposed to be applicable to what you do outside of the walls of the gym. You know, functional fitness isn't really meant to just get better at functional fitness and then eventually become a pro athlete in it and go to the CrossFit games and, you know, make fitness your professional endeavor. That's a very small percentage of the people that take up this kind of training. It's really meant for you to live your life without restriction so that you can walk through the airport holding your luggage. You can take it and you can put it in the overhead bin without assistance. You can stand up and down off of the couch or off of the toilet or whatever and not have to worry about it. You're building up a hedge of fitness to live your life as freely as possible for as long as possible. And I think that that's a goal that nearly anybody out there can wrap their minds around and say like, hey, that, that's really great because there's probably been things in almost all of our lives that we've either struggled through or been unable to do because of a lack of physical capacity, right? Maybe you wanted to go on a hike with your friends, but you didn't feel like you were able to because you just don't have the conditioning for it or you, you knew it was going to put you in the in bed for three or four days. Or maybe it's as simple as I can't pick my groceries up and bring them up the stairs to my apartment. I always need assistance to do that. I think that those types of things, those restrictions for most people can be alleviated through physical training in the gym and, and figuring out some of these functional motor patterns. So to answer your question very directly, no, you don't have to be any level of fit to start this stuff. And when you move into functional training or CrossFit and you find the right gym for you and you find the right coaches for you, and if those coaches really care about who you are and where you're at in your fitness journey, they will make this a very fun and progressive learning experience for you. Will you be working hard some days? Yes, of course, you're going to be working hard, but relative to where you're at. And then over time, very slowly, you're going to start to see that relative measure of how hard you're working and how much you're doing slowly creep up. And it's the coach's job to pull and push you against that line so that you're never too far in the deep end. Because in the deep end is where too much, too soon, too fast happens. And that can be very scary for anybody. Ultimately, that's the place where injury happens or overtraining happens or feeling like 
I'm going to quote unquote die during this workout. That's too much too soon, too fast. And especially as a beginner, you have to be really careful about that. But you also don't want to continue to live in a completely comfortable stage where you're kind of just rolling through life and you're not really accepting any challenges because if you never go to a place that uh, you've never been before, you'll never get to where you want to be. If you are living your life with physical restriction and you're looking for a fitness program to help alleviate some of that, functional training and CrossFit is a fantastic place to start. And you need zero fitness coming in. Find the right gym, the right coach, and they will make it a very enjoyable, fun, at sometimes challenging experience, but you will be in good hands. I love that. And I love that you mentioned kind of, you know, taking a step back and not overdoing it right away. And that's a big recommendation I give to people is like, okay, say you've been running every single day. So you're like, okay, if I start CrossFit, I probably have the, you know, capacity to train every single day, but they might not be used to the muscle contractions of doing so many push-ups, or whatever the movement is, or even if they have to scale, right? Maybe you can't do a full air squat, but you do box squats, but doing so many at that high repetition, they might not be used to it. So I think it is important that people understand, like, just start slowly and progressively. And as you recover, you know, start adding some more sessions in until then you are making it part of your routine and you're going consistently, but it's, it's important to have that ramp in and not go in with an ego, which is another thing I wanted to talk about because we see a ton of injuries when people jump into the sport of CrossFit and you hinted at it, but I think a lot of it comes with a, yeah, either a coach pushing too hard too early and just throwing people into the deep end. I know I wish that when I joined, for example, because I came from already having a really heavy back squat and all these movements. I picked up the moves really quickly. I dove straight into like basically competing from day one. But I was like, I wish that I had actually just spent way more time on the really, really basic movements because I know I picked it up, but then I Mm. had like just some movement imbalances and different things because I went straight to really heavy, really high intensity, really high volume, like within weeks. So how can we make sure that, you know, from at least from the person going in their perspective, that they can humble the ego and kind of take that step back and decide that even if the coach is pushing them. It's a tough one too, because, um, you know, you might be sitting there listening to this conversation and be like, Oh, that will never be me. I'll never (laughs) be the person that's going to go heavier than I should, or go harder than I should. But you start to get these little tastes of success or these little, uh, voices in your head that are going to tell you, look at what that person's doing over there. You should try that. Or, you know, you're in a gym now and you get more comfortable with the equipment and you get more comfortable with the movements a little bit. And all of a sudden it seems like the world is your oyster and you can do everything and anything within the gym. And what you have to do is you have to be really disciplined at those different points to say, I need to follow the the charter of making sure I understand the movements mechanically. Can I, can I perform the movements? Well, can I do them consistently? Well, that means over the course of many repetitions at lighter weights and then moderate light weights, can I do that movement over and over and over again with really sound movement function? And then once you can say yes to both of those things, then yes, slowly over time, start to introduce a little bit more load and speed. But the key word there is slowly, like I said before, too much, too soon, too fast is where you're going to find yourself in a really bad place. And that's not just limited to functional training and CrossFit. Let's just take, for example, rock climbing, uh, free solo, that movie. Have you seen free solo? Free yeah. Solo? yeah. My Terrifying. brother is a rock climbing. So my, <laughs> sorry, my brother is a rock climber. So yeah, the whole family seen it. 
Terrifying movie, but that's the ultimate expression. He's climbing a sheer face of flat granite without any sort of rigging on himself and, you know, just using his fingers and two fingers at certain times to hold on. It's terrifying. Let's pretend that that's a 300 pound plus back squat. Like that's, that's kind of the comparison there. It's like you get into rock climbing. The first thing that you're going to do is you're just going to learn how to like hold on to the wall while your feet are standing still on the ground. And then maybe you're going to start taking one foot off of the ground and putting it onto the little uh, holder that you have there. And then maybe the next time you go and you just hold yourself on the wall for a few seconds and then you step down, but it's a progressive journey. And if you were to go and try to climb El Capitan or whatever the, fa- the name of that mountain is uh, or that rock face, you would fail horribly and prob- maybe tragically. You know, the thing, the thing is with this kind of stuff is you have to be disciplined. You know, when you walk into the gym, you're going to see things, like I said before, that you think you're going to be able to do. You have to have the discipline to understand that eventually I might get there, but I have to take the steps, the, the requisite steps before putting more weight onto the bar, more and more and more and more to get the movements down, to do them correctly, to train my body to be used to that kind of loading or that amount of repetition or those different movement patterns. And that's also where the guidance of a good coach can come in and help you kind of navigate some of those conversations. Because when we're left to our own devices, we can make some poor decisions sometimes. Um, you know, maybe we do too much too soon, too fast, like I've been saying, or maybe we stay below where we could go and we don't really want to take that next step because we don't think we're able. That's when you can bounce some of these things off of a qualified coach and they can really help you say, Hey, I think, I think you're ready for this and I'm going to watch you as you do this. And if, if it's not there, what we're going to do is we're going to dump the barbell. Cool. You ready to rock? Let's get after it. And of course they've led you through the different mechanics of the movement, but they also might say to you, Hey, Matt, I see you're loading up a lot of weight there. Your last rep looked a little shaky. I think it's a better choice for you if you go down instead of go up. What I want to see you do is I want to see you hold the mechanics of the movement through the entire range of motion and not be compromised by it. That's where a great coach can come in and help you out. I love everything you said there because I think it it brings back the, you know, the conversation of people saying, oh, CrossFit is dangerous, for example. But I think like anything can be dangerous without the proper volume and intensity sure. management, right? And CrossFit is an easy one to make dangerous if you don't have the proper coaching or you don't have the, the ability to check your ego and just make sure, okay, wait a second, I need to slowly ramp up, right? Like if all of a sudden you've never done an air squat, you realize, oh, I can do an air squat. It's pretty easy. I don't have any load. Let me just do 500 right now. Well, that's probably not going to be a really big shock on your system. And then all of a sudden, like I can do 500 again tomorrow and do this. And all of a sudden you're injured. And then you say, well, CrossFit is dangerous. Well, it's actually just improper load management. For sure. I think that's a huge one. This whole idea of uh, functional fitness or CrossFit is dangerous is it's a little bit nonsensical to me for a few reasons. Number one is that any physical endeavor, sport, uh, training, walking, whatever, if you're moving, if you're, if you're not just sitting on a couch in a completely sterile vacuum environment, anything that you do can be dangerous. Also, you can make anything dangerous. This pen that I'm holding right here, 
99.999% of the time, I'm just going to write on a piece of paper with it. But if, it, if I decided to stab myself in the face <laughs> with it, the pen would now be dangerous, right? So there is also this idea that if you're using the tool the wrong way, it's dangerous. But you have to accept that there's some level of risk involved in physical training. It's just true. But the injury rates that are inside functional training and CrossFit are no higher than normal physical training, quote unquote, normal physical training, going into the gym or things like that. But they are way lower than sport. Sport injuries are much, 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 much higher. It, it kind of, uh, this whole idea of like CrossFit being dangerous, it's a little bit of a misnomer in a few different ways, like I said. And I think some of it also is carryover from people who were involved in traditional strength and conditioning who saw CrossFit coming on in and stealing some of the limelight and the lion's share of the attention and painting a picture of danger and looking at people moving quickly through certain movements that in the past had been done probably more slowly. And now we have a new style of training and going, well, that's dangerous. Well, yeah, some of it's dangerous if you're doing it wrong, but the vast majority of it, if you're doing it correctly, is relatively safe. You can also get hurt bench pressing slowly. You can blow your pec out. You can drop the weight on your chest. You can, that's dangerous as well, but it's relatively safe when done correctly. So there's other things out there and I don't have to get into the weeds, like the really nerdy stuff, like the, the lawsuit that CrossFit filed against, you know, the different organizations out there that, you know, misrepresented facts and studies to say, say that CrossFit was more dangerous. But if anybody out there is, is going, wow, you know, that stuff looks dangerous. Yeah, it can be dangerous, but also walking across the street can be dangerous. I think the, the thing that also I want to make clear is that you want to build this hedge against living your normal life without high levels of danger. I think the worst place that you can be is that if you're scared that sitting down on the toilet, you're going to um, get hurt or you're not going to be able to stand up when you fall down to the ground. Or if the three or four steps in front of your apartment cause a real hurdle for you every single day, that is really critical danger in my opinion. That, that is a situation in which you're looking at a, a normal activity and you, can't, you don't have the function to be able to perform it. I'm not trying to put anybody down, but the thing that you should do is you should take an inventory of that stuff and go, I, I need to be able to do these things. And the way that you can get better at those things is training similar motor patterns under the guidance of a coach, somebody who's got your best interest in mind in a gym, in a safe place. And they're going to help you along that journey relative to who you are and what your goals are. And maybe your goal is to just sit down to the toilet and not ever get hurt. If that's your goal, that's fantastic. But that's what you want to avoid. You want to go to the gym to try and tr to train up for that. Yeah, no, I, I love that because, for example, like I train my grandma and we do a Zoom class basically every day. Yep. And uh, she, well, she was diagnosed with dementia and she's, you know, I know the exercise, especially vascular dementia. It's based on like, you know, having high blood pressure and all these things. So I was like, exercise is going to be your number one thing. Challenging her mind to remember reps and do things like that. That's another one. And then so she's getting both those challenges. And then at the the, uh, at the same time, it's, it's, I don't want her to be home alone and fall and something happens or yeah, she needs to sit up and up and down from the couch. Like the number one exercise that we do is I make her sit to the couch, which is 
blah, just below parallel. And she'll do like a hundred of those in a session. And we'll do, we do tons of those every week. And I'm like, well, now I know whenever she sits down, she's easily going to be able to stand back up. She's going to be able Great. to do the stairs. She's going to be able to, you know, if uh, she's done burpees sometimes where she crawls down and, and crawls back up. And so I think, you know, if you say that then maybe there's a risk that she could get hurt doing something like that, but in a safe environment, that is much better off in my mind than her being home alone and something like that happens and she's never trained for and she can't ever do it. For sure. For sure. Uh, I love that. That That's really what it's all about. And the, the different levels of this thing go up, um, but the work largely stays the same. Like the, what your grandma is doing could be a very similar workout to what I do. You know, maybe she's training 100 uh, sits to the couch and stand back up. Maybe I'm training 100 weighted step-ups on a box because my goals are a little bit different. But we're, we're largely doing similar motor patterns. So it's a, also a really cool environment that brings people together who might never, ever, ever interact in any other setting. And I think that that's the beauty of gyms like NC Fit and some other uh, really good gyms out there is that we bring together people who have a goal of wanting to improve their lives through fitness but they might be so different that they would have never, ever crossed paths otherwise. And people like your grandma are great examples of that. Yeah. Yeah. She's even been to the gym before. Um, like when they were open, she was going to like a senior's fit class at, at the CrossFit gym Very cool. go to and different things. And it is really cool to see that. And especially like there'd be classes, for example, um, before I hurt my shoulder and when I was competing, I'd be in the same class as somebody who literally just joined the gym and we're doing the same workout. It just means like, I'm probably going to finish faster or get more rounds and I'm using maybe a heavier weight. And maybe instead of doing, maybe they're doing jumping pull-ups, I'm doing doing muscle ups or something, you know, like there may be some little variety there, but everything can be scaled. And that's the really cool part. If you don't have a movement, it doesn't matter. A good coach and pretty much every gym has been taught how to scale the movement. So yes. if you can't do a full squat. You can squat to a box, or if you can't do, um, you know, a full thruster, there's going to be other ways to challenge the same muscle groups and the same movement patterns, but you'll be doing the same workout with everybody else. Yeah. And, but just in a different way. And that's the really cool part. Yes. And the conversation kind of has been coming back to this idea of great gym, great coach. And I think that that's really important for everybody to understand is that you might go into a gym, you might look up a gym and let's say it has some good reviews and you go in there with the best intentions and maybe you have a not so great experience. You don't think like the coach had your best interests at heart or they didn't pay attention to you or you just weren't feeling the community or whatever. That doesn't mean that all gyms of that style are that way. You sh if you are really interested in this style of training, just like if you were interested in doing jujitsu or karate or whatever, and you go into one karate dojo and you have a not so great experience, that doesn't mean that everybody who does karate is that way. You might just have to try a new gym, a gym that fits your vibe a little better or a coach that is a little bit more attentive to your needs. So if you've tried it one time and you kind of thought, well, you know, that wasn't for me. And I, I didn't really like what that experience was all about. Okay, cool. I can understand, hey, it wasn't for me and that's fine. But if you are still interested in the style of training and you're just like turned off by that one experience, go and try other gyms, call other gyms, set up an appointment, talk to somebody. There's so many good coaches out there. And yeah, there's some bad coaches out there, but there's bad coaches in everything, every discipline. And uh, I hope that you find a good one. 
Yeah. Oh, 100%. And it's the same with going to a Globo gym. Like, do you know how many Globo gyms vibes are so weird? And you walk in, you're like, "Mm, this is just not my scene. But then you go to like, there's some other ones that are like, oh, this is really cool. Like I have one close to here and the whole bottom half is a climbing gym. And the whole top half is like all this state-of-the-art equipment. You overlook (laughs) a ski hill. And I'm like, this is like cool. Like it's technically like a global gym. They don't have like coaching or anything. But if they were just like, I don't know, an anytime fitness or something pretty stock there, it would have been a totally different experience. And I'd be like, "Mm, maybe this isn't where I'm going to go do my accessory work. Very cool. So I want to go back to to your story because I know we kind of cut off and went on the the tangent of, well, the important topic that I wanted to talk about, (laughs) how to get into CrossFit and fitness. And I think we addressed that pretty well. But yeah, let's let's go over when basically you were doing the lifeguarding, um, you were training, and then you got into being a lawyer and then changed that yeah. all for fitness. Let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah, it was a big change. Um, you know, I, uh, I never thought that fitness was going to be my career. Um, obviously I was super passionate about it. It's been something that uh, I've pursued ever since being a, a freshman in high school. And it's crazy to think, you know, I really have probably never taken more than like maybe a week off at, at certain points in my life. Maybe the week is probably the longest I've ever gone without doing some sort of physical training. And even that would be pushing it. I think that there's probably uh, some movement in there, of course, but um, I've been really consistent with it and have been able to have some great results uh, with my fitness and really live a life that allows me to go and do a lot of things outside of the walls of the gym. So I'm super pumped about that. But Lawyer. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was on set. I was dead set on going through the entire law school schooling process. Um, I was fortunate enough to get, uh, some really good grades in college and then found myself, uh, in a couple of, uh, really good law schools. I actually transferred my first year uh, to a different school after that. Um, but the way that law school works is if you do really well your first year, then you don't really have as much pressure because all of the big firms in the United States are going to look at just your first year's performance. So I I did well my first year. I had my pick of the litter of jobs that I wanted to interview with. And this was about 2007, 2008. And things in the United States started to get a little shaky around that time. There was rumblings of, you know, an economic collapse coming. And uh, it did. 2008, 2009 was wild. And when I graduated law school in 2009, the firm that I had signed up to join essentially called me up and told me to take a hike. And we don't want you. We don't need you. Go find a new job. That was really challenging for me because you spend all this time and energy studying and putting all this effort into becoming a lawyer and spending a lot of money, like I had said, to to get that schooling. And kind of found myself in no man's land. Um, It was weird because there were so many attorneys that had been laid off at that time. A lot of people lost their jobs with way more experience than I had. And they were willing to take way less money to go and just get a job. Where I graduated, I had no experience. All I had was this report card that said I did well in school. And firms were looking at me and going, well, you're we don't need you. You have no experience. We'd have to invest in training you. We'd have to pay you this money. It was an odd place to be at. So um, I did go back into law for just a little bit. I worked for a small corporate securities firm after my big firm had laid me off. 
but I just wasn't feeling it. And I found myself being really pulled into fitness. And that's when I decided to uh, say that, hey, this is, this is where I was going to spend all my time. I was going to make this a career. Very cool. And I, I can only imagine how hard it was like coming out of school in the midst of that whole crisis. Cause I, I definitely remember it. I mean, it hit us too, but definitely much more so the States when they were over leveraged on homes and all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, here we had kind of a tech fallout. I think it was a kind of around that time. Um, and it affected a lot of people in my community as well. And a lot of parents were all of a sudden there. The parents are unemployed and trying to figure out how do I still pay for the kid to go to hockey and do these sports and doing all these things and definitely affected a lot of families. So um, I can only imagine how difficult that was and not to diminish the comparison because this isn't a great comparison, but I'll make a little bit of the comparison where people have been, for example, in fitness and people thought when regionals got canceled that their whole lives were over oh, yeah. right? because they were like okay I invested all of this effort into wanting to be a regional athlete I mean again not a great comparison because investing all that money into law school and wanting to be a lawyer is a whole different level um but and then all of a sudden, you know, that got pulled and they had to reevaluate. What do I want? Where am I being pulled? Am I being pulled to something else? Do I still want to do this? Even if there might not be um, that reward uh, that I was looking forward to still. And so, yeah, I can only imagine having to figure out that pivot when it's kind of not really your own decision. It was kind of just the, the, what's happening. It's a very difficult spot to be in. And I, I think the comparison fits. It's You know, you you build up a story in your head and whether or not that story is that Hey, I'm a big shit lawyer now. And I have a power suit, a power car, a power tie, and I make X number of dollars per year. And then in a phone call, it was all gone. And that's a lot of the same for people who might have a goal on their radar and then something happens outside of their control and it's all gone. And it really did wreck me for a while. Uh, And aside from the immediate shock, there was some long-term effect of that decision that was made for me in the moment. Um, and then also the ramifications of the decision that I made, you know, not only did I have to deal with the fact that I had this burden of debt, which I assumed, and I still assume responsibility for, I'm not asking anybody to take it from me, but I also had to deal with my friends and family looking at me and going like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. you're going to go and get into fitness. And like, you had this job and this career and these grades and you know, you were going to go and be an attorney in New York City, or my dad wanted me to be a judge. And, you know, for many years, I had to struggle through the pressure of that and figure out how I was going to have those conversations. And, you know, you also deal with a lot of self-doubt. Um, you know, you pull up LinkedIn and you see, oh, this guy that I graduated with who I had better grades than, he's a partner at a law firm now, and I'm working at a gym. It can be tough. And I think that you have to have perspective about everything and realize that if you're making a decision, you have to make it with the best intentions, the information that you have at the time, and then, you know, continue to, to see whether or not it's the, the right decision for you going forward. And it was for me always that I still wanted to figure this out. I still wanted to pursue my passion. And th- there was also a lot of built up kind of bulletin board material where it was like, I want to prove all these people wrong all these people who asked me if I was crazy. Um, and, you know, I'm not anywhere close to where I want to be, but I've been pretty successful in being able to build a career through fitness. And I'm looking forward to the next five, 10, 15 years and doing the same. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing that because I think a lot of people um, go through very similar where they feel judged from their friends and family and they're making a hard decision and they start comparing back with their old lives and people who had similar past lives. I know for me, one of the hardest moments was when it was the 2018 Olympics and I stepped away from the sport in 2015 and, you know, my former roommate won a silver medal and I'm like, could that have been me like that? I, we were at the same level at, at, you know, at one point. Right. And so those, those times are always those really tough times where you're like, well, now what am I doing? I'm doing this and I'm not quite at that same level yet with this. And that can be really difficult. So definitely appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Wondering what if is a really, really weird place to be because it can be, it can be fun sometimes to think about, you know, what my life would have been like or what life would have been like or maybe like what life would have been like for you if you had gone to the Olympics or whatever, but you can also drag you down into a really strange, dark place. And if you live too much in the past, it it doesn't allow you to appreciate the present or really understand all the amazing things that are going on around you. And it's kind of the same thing with always living in the future, like wondering what's next always can do the same. And I think this experience and I'm not saying that it happened overnight. It definitely did not, but it definitely helped me be a little bit more present and learn how to appreciate the things that I have going on for me and not necessarily worry about, well, what if, or what's next. Right. Right. Love that. So I, I want to talk a little bit about, like, I know you spent time as an athlete and as a coach hmm. and not all athletes make great coaches. What are three things that helped you become a great coach going from being an athlete? Oh, that's a, uh, that's a really great question. And, uh, I think you're spot on. Um, not all athletes will be great coaches. Not all coaches will be great athletes. I think it works the other way too. Um, I always identified as a coach first, always, 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 always. Uh, I never identified myself as an athlete first for a few reasons. Number one was that, um, I thought that it was really important for my identity to be coach related uh, in terms of delivering the best possible experience to the people who are paying a premium to stand in front of me and learn from me and, and learn with me. If I portrayed myself or if I identified as an athlete, I think that I would have been leaving something off of the table. They would have been getting a lesser version of me at that point. My investment as a coach was always full throttle. Never, never could question whether or not I was all into what I was doing. And I, I, thought, I felt that that was really important from the start. And when I put my athlete hat on and I was training as an athlete, uh, I, I tried to be the best athlete that I could be. But also I, I had a sense about me that there was a more important thing that I was doing, at least in my opinion and serving these people and helping them figure out this journey and being a beacon for them uh, of fitness, of health, of life and nutrition was uh, a job that I took really seriously and still do. So I think that that's number one is that, you know, if you are kind of straddling both of those worlds, coach and athlete, that if you are going to coach, you have to prioritize being a coach in at least the moments that you are coaching can't be thinking about what's your next workout or you can't be just finishing your workout, pulling down your knee sleeves and then walking over to the whiteboard and going, all right, well, today's workout is 
No, that, that you're, you're fucking half-assing it. You're not giving them everything that you should. And you're going to lie straight to my face if you say that you are. You know, I, I don't have a problem with athletes who want to coach or coaches who want to be athletes, but I think that you have to keep the world a little bit distinct. Your athletes are there to learn from you as a coach and for you to give them everything. They're not necessarily there to be the leftovers of what you have after your workout. Can it be done? Yes, of course it can be done. There are two fantastic examples of it, two of my best buddies, James Hobart and Austin Maliolo. They both had very high level athletic careers and they are two of the best coaches ever, but they kept that shit separate. Coaching was one thing, athletics was another. I think the, the second thing, and this probably goes into just being a great trainer in general is, is realizing that at some level, I don't matter. What matters is the people standing in front of me. And that's truly a level of care that I think is uncommon where you're able to check your own agenda, whether it's athletics or something else or your bad day or whatever you're feeling. And you, you give everything to the athlete, no matter what. And in that sense, I think a lot of people misunderstand this idea of care. Everybody's able to say, oh yeah, I care about my athletes. I asked them how their weekend was. Well, yeah, that's the surface level. The real level of care is caring enough that, yeah, you're going to schedule your workout that's important to you well enough in advance or after your class that you can be properly prepared, that it doesn't look like you just got off the rower and you're pulling down your knee sleeves. You're going to care enough that somebody asks you a question that might throw you off and you're going to take a second and breathe and respond without being emotional about it. Or somebody asks you a question that you don't know about and you're going to say, let me get back to you. And you're actually going to go and you're going to research it and come back to them with the proper answer. Those are the levels of care that are a little bit deeper. I think the third thing, and this again is a little bit more just general rules opposed to like the athlete coach kind of thing, but you have to have fun with this and your athletes have to have fun with you. Uh, you know, I think that at some level they need to enjoy the experience. Yes, you are there to curate their experience and make sure that they have a great workout, 100%. You're also there to make sure that they learn a thing or two and get results uh, along the way. That's understood. But if they're not enjoying the experience with you, if they're not having fun at some level, they're going to step out of your class and go to somebody else's, or they're going to step out of your gym and go to somebody else's. There are so many options out there. And there are a lot of people out there who are able to really artfully glide between, Hey, this is a really fun and amazing experience. And I'm also teaching them stuff. And then they're also getting a great workout. And that really is the essence of a fantastic coach that there's a this seamless mix of things that are going on within those 60 minutes, that it all just comes together in one fantastic experience. It doesn't feel like all we do is learn. That's it. We just learn Olympic lifting or all we do is just throttle it down. I start the clock, you do your workout and you leave. Or all I do is just joke around the whole time and it's comedy hour. No, the best people in the world are artfully blending those things as well as a lot of other nuanced things, but those three main things and giving athletes the best possible experience every single time they walk into the gym.
I think you also just described like what a good content creator is too, <laughs> right? Like it's just, and you can educate all you want, but if it's not entertaining and people aren't enjoying it and sticking to the end, like then it's not, no one's going to watch it. So it's who can blend all those mixes of things together. And that's what I really love about, you know, coaching and anything that you know, anything that requires high performance, it's such a, it's creative as well. Right. And people need to, to display that creativity and be able to be a great communicator. I think that's something that's kind of underlooked in the world now is how important communication is. And I think over the past two years with all our communication being done online, that actually has highlighted more how important communication truly is in our modern world. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I, I don't want to discount that, you know, there are gyms out there that, run a very teaching focused and, um, you know, uh, education's on the forefront of what they do. And, you know, you go in there and you learn the entire time. It's all you do is your drill technique and it might not be as entertaining experience. And maybe the, there is, you know, very minimal quote unquote, actual working out. This is all just technique. And there's also gyms out there that probably run successful businesses where you come on in and you just get after it the whole time. That's it. We're not really learning anything. We're not really having a whole lot of fun. We're just going to really just grind the whole time. Yeah. But I think that that's mostly for a particular type of client, a client that wants that experience. And then at some level, that person's enjoying it because that's exactly what they want. For the general person out there who's looking to come into a functional training slash CrossFit class and you know have a great experience, I think blending those three things is really important. Well, I think that's one of the coolest things about CrossFit is you're always learning something. There's always something to work on. And it's not like, oh, let me just go to this boot camp and do the same burpee and whatever movement that I've been doing for 10 years. It's like, there's always, always something to work on. And I think that's what keeps people, you know, coming back and kind of addicted to it because there is that that growth. There's that always going to learn something more. And so not only can sometimes some of the workouts, you can just tune out and go to the class when you need to, but you can also have that kind of uh, intellectual growth where you're always learning something new, getting a new perspective, meeting new people. Um, I, that's what I really, really enjoy. Yeah, for sure. So, that, that's a fantastic way to put it. So I have two questions I always like to, to end things off with. And I mean, I've been loving talking about CrossFit. It's always good to jam out. And I hope this has informed people about getting into the gym and fitness and all those things. Um, but this first of the last two questions is out of all the different habits that you have in your day, what is the one biggest game changer for you? Oh, good. Really good question. Just identifying one. There's a lot of things that I, I do. Uh, I actually wrote a post on it this morning. Um, the listing out some of the things that make me feel and look my best, but I'm a creature of habit and routine just in general. And uh, at different points in my life, I used to kind of like fight against that and be like, Oh, well, why can't I go with the flow a little bit more? Like, why can't I just be somebody who doesn't care about this X, Y, or Z? I do. And I've accepted that. And that allows me to just be happier overall. But I think the number one thing is that if I get up, at the time in the morning that I know allows me the opportunity to do all the other things that I want to do before my day starts, get out of bed, start making my coffee, think about life, listen to some music, you know, journal a little bit, maybe read a little bit, maybe have my first sip of coffee. Think about what I want to do to get my body moving a little bit. Go through some repetitions of whether it's, it's usually very basic for me. Pull-ups, push-ups, squats, sit-ups. I usually keep it super simple in the morning. Move through 
a little movement routine, hop in the sauna, get out of the sauna, be able to shower, get ready for work. That's the number one thing for me is making sure that I have the discipline, even if I don't want to, to make the choice that when my alarm goes off to get out of bed and take that first step out and realize that I'm going to feel so much better for it. Those 15, 20 minutes that I might snooze, I'm going to lose some of that awesome me time in the morning. And uh, it might feel really good in the moment, but you know, discipline is choosing between what feels good right now and then what you really want to do over the long term. And uh, choosing discipline for me and getting out of bed is a big deal. Mm, that's important. And I think it builds momentum into like, okay, the rest of the day, I'm not going to skip this. I'm going to keep building that, that discipline momentum. Now, the last one is picture yourself. You're kind of at the end of your life. You're looking back on everything you've done. What is the impact that you want to have made? Oh boy. I've been thinking a lot about this one too. I've been watching a lot of things on like Netflix and, um, you know, at night I like to wind down and in particular lately, I'm usually like a true crime junkie, but I've been watching a lot more of like the universe and questions about everything that I mean, anyway, <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> thing to watch right before bed. I feel yeah, like, yeah. like go to sleep. Don't think about these things. That's in the morning. I'm like, Ooh, universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of trippy, but um, no, it's funny that you asked this. So I think, I think ultimately what I want to do is just live my life in a way that I can be proud of. And if I'm able to do that and also live it in a way that sets a strong example for first off the people who are immediately around me, you know, my fiance, and then, you know, in the future, any kids that I have, my immediate family, my friends, if I'm able to do that and then influence those people and help those people in any way, uh, without judgment of who they are or what they are and uh, where they come from or what they want to achieve or not achieve, but just live in a way that I'm proud of that. That would be really important to me. And then, you know, secondarily is extending that out to other networks of people, the people who I touch through social media or the people who I interact with through fitness or through NC fit. And again, just living that life in a way that I can be proud of, you know, representing health, fitness, nutrition in a way that I think other people might gain something from, but um, yeah, that that's, that's ultimately what I would like to do is, is be able to be proud of the time that I spent here and, and hope, that I made an impact on other people who were either watching or interact in or interact with. I love that. It's like be your best and hopefully inspire other people to be their best too. That you said it much more artfully than I did. <laughs> that's because as the listener, you can then sum up the thoughts, but I'm sure if that someone asked me the same question back, I would the same. <laughs> Uh, either way, you know, I appreciate you for being on here. This has been a great conversation and hopefully answers that question of people who are like, can I even get into CrossFit or functional fitness? Is it scary? All those things this is going to be a great resource for them. So appreciate you sharing your knowledge and coming on. Heck yeah. Well, yes, you can get into it. Yes, it might be a little scary, but I'd encourage you to try it. Awesome. 
Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.